0: Let's do this together. Happy Friday. Oh, welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I am here with Jean today. I'm super excited to have her on. So welcome. Thanks, Monica. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. A little bit nervous about being so vulnerable, but excited to be here. Yeah, I'm Yeah, really grateful that you agreed to share your story. Um, tell us just a little bit about your background first. Sure
1: so I am um, so there's multiple parts about me I've been in corporate for over 20 years have dedicated my life to corporate until recently where I really found um, this personal development personal growth path to myself and over the last couple of years um, I've become a an intuitive mindset coach that has created a proprietary algorithm to help other executive moms really find their way um, in terms of success but without, the bro
0: hustle, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think there is a high level of type A women in the infertility community. And we are all highly uh, functioning individuals. We're always on the go, go, go. And sometimes for a lot of us, the first realization that we might be unhealthy or we're burning out is we can't get pregnant yeah. um so I think it is a really big issue within um the corporate or you know like high achieving I don't want to say high achieving because like everyone's high achieving what they want to do right <laughs> Yes, but it,
1: I I think what you mean, like it's those type A personalities that are used to getting what they want. They work
0: really hard for it. Yes, And not getting what they want is just such a unique concept to them, right? Yeah, very much so. And you just are so blindsided because mm-hmm. a lot of the time it, it, it comes from a place of unexplained, right? Yeah. Like you have normal periods, like you don't have any really big issues. And then all of a sudden it's like, well yeah, there's nothing, nothing wrong and just go do IVF. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting
1: because I think so many of us still operate, well, still had operated right up until this point where we realized we were having fertility issues, but so many of us had operated under this concept of like, oh, getting pregnant is so easy. All you have to do, (laughs) right. It's like what they tell you in school and it's like, oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: You have to have birth control. And it's so funny because I have um, had conversations with my friends who have also had fertility issues. And, you know, we joke around and say, like, if we knew it was not this easy back then, <laughs> <laughs> who knows what we would have done back then?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, uh, with my hindsight, I was probably actually infertile at 17. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I started having gut issues around 16, 17, and they really, um, they got pretty bad around 18, 19. Um, and I always just thought I was lucky with my long-term boyfriends. Um, but yeah, now it was infertility, (laughs) which in, in a way was a blessing. Um, but yeah, I think, um, There's just not enough focus or, I mean, we're barely taught about our periods. We're barely taught about our anatomy. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw more dicks in sex ed than I knew about vaginas, right? Like, we just weren't taught. So why should we know that our adrenals are incredibly important to our fertility, that our thyroid is incredibly important, that our gut health is incredibly important, and in reality, those three areas and and maybe your liver too, if you're if you're drinking lots of alcohol, um, they're getting really, um, you know, severely damaged during mm-hmm. our high achieving years. And yeah. um, and the doctors don't the fertility doctors at least don't really look at those areas when you start going through fertility issues. So you get mm-hmm. labeled, yeah. and and then the struggle begins. Um, what was your journey with your fertility?
1: yeah so um, so it was interesting because with my first child we had tried getting pregnant I think for at least six months to a year um, I think really the first six months we were just kind of you know okay it'll be fun to have you know a child and get pregnant and then um, really kind of ramped up efforts, right. <laughs> Got serious about it. Yeah, <laughs> Six months in when it wasn't happening we we're like, okay, you know what, let's get serious. And it was getting a little frustrating too when month after month you would, you know, test and then it would come back, you know, with disappointing results. So after having our first child, I actually didn't think I had any fertility issues, to be honest, right. I had never heard of the fact that a um, follow up, Or like a second or third or fourth pregnancy would or could even be difficult. Um, And so when we were going for um, our second child, we had a lot of difficulty. Um, It was a period of extreme stress for both my husband and I and we you know we even thought about and we actually did we were thinking about IVF but then i didn't want to do it because i had heard about number one it was expensive and we didn't really have the resources at that time to go mm-hmm. down that route so then we tried IUD and then when i was talking to other And it was like, I was talking to actually male colleagues too, because they had shared with me, I don't remember under what context, but they had shared with me that, they're, um, that they were going through fertility issues and that it, you know, they had tried IVF, et cetera, and IUD. And so then when I was talking with my male colleagues about IUD and they said, you know I wouldn't really recommend it. It didn't really work for us. And you know we've done it a couple of times and their friends had tried it and IUD didn't work for them. And there, and he was, you know, I remember this male colleague, he was like, just go for the IVF. And I was like, well, that'd be great. I can't afford it. So let me try the IUD. Um, And of course the IUD didn't work, um, but it made us very stressed out because, you know, what's the right level of sperm count? What's, you know, like, and then I'm sitting there on, I mean, it's such a cold, hard process, right? Like it's so cold. And then it's so even, I feel like it's even more disappointing, quite frankly. So With our second, um, it took us a very, very long time to finally get pregnant. And then I lost the child. So, about, um, it it was really devastating. It was like six weeks in, we were great. And then all of a sudden, eight weeks in, there was no heartbeat. So, Mm -hmm. lost the baby. And I think, you know, I I think one of the hardest things to do is to recover from that because the system is not set up to recognize a miscarriage as an actual pregnancy, but your body is set up to recognize a miscarriage as you're totally functioning and having a baby and it's getting ready for that and it's getting geared up for that. So all of a sudden not having a baby, your hormones are totally out of whack, like totally out of whack. and so we took a break and then we, we decided to try again. So now we have a second one. Um, we have our little one and she's six years old and she is honestly um, one of the greatest gifts that I have. And then we said, you know what? Wouldn't it be fun to have another one, right? And again, we had issues. And I don't know why we had issues, but we had issues because we thought, okay, after the second, and the second one we did, like naturally, we didn't. We we just gave up the IED. We didn't go for I, IVF. So I I was able to get pregnant naturally, um, and then with the third one, um, again a miscarriage, and it was actually you know like this miscarriage was actually, I I don't want to say it was harder than the first one, but it was certainly um, one of the, I don't know I don't know it it was different, but this one was set up so perfectly like. I don't know if it's like too much info, but we had sex on the day of, you know, like um, you're supposed to like be most fertile and then it happened and it happened once. And then I got pregnant. And so we're like, oh my gosh, this will be our miracle baby. Right. Cause like it was so easy. It'll be our miracle baby. Um, But then we lost the child. So, so yeah, so that's my uh, journey through fertility.
0: Fertility. Yeah. It's a big, big journey. Um, your shift into your coaching now, do you have hindsight on your fertility? Do you, do you kind of see maybe where some health, like normal health issues could have been contributing to your fertility struggles? Yeah. So, and, you know, as I talk to more people as well, like
1: peers and, and women within corporate who are also very ambitious and, and career driven, What I have seen is that I think our surroundings in our environment today contribute, I want to say like 80%, right, to Mm. the health of our bodies. So I think to your point, the drinking and the liver, yes, that is like an actual connection that I think we can logically make and rationally make in terms of the functioning of our organs. But I think what we forget is that we as women tend to internalize a lot of the BS, a lot of the toxicity that happens around us. And when we internalize it, what then happens is that our whole body is on a fight or flight mode, right? It's constant stress, constant Um, flight mode. And so it's never operating um, at a functional point. It's always like, it's kind of like the way, you know, I I think the easiest way for me to describe it is we can either breathe like this, right? Like very shallow, like, you know, okay. Okay. Or we can breathe like this, like very deep breaths and like, and that's like the way that our body was meant to, to breathe, to truly relax and allow ourselves to be in a state of Flow and in a state of relaxation so that the body can truly operate at its prime. And so, so I think going back and looking at the hindsight, looking at the women whom I've spoken to and the men who I've spoken to, right? I think society today has created this culture of go, go, go and action, mm-hmm. action, action that we forget that our bodies were never biologically created to operate at this pace. Um, for so in, long, yeah, for so long, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And in doing so, um, we're creating a very toxic environment for our organs, and it's not working the way that it's supposed to. Um, I think the other aspect to it is a very energetic aspect, kind of more of a spiritual um, woo aspect to it too. Is that you know, in looking for answers and looking for why things didn't happen, it's it's really interesting, and I'll kind of share. Um, what the first miscarriage that I had, my husband and I were going through a really tough time. Mm -hmm. We were, we were going through a really rough patch. Um, we were arguing all the time. We weren't getting along and, you know, it was a blessing for for us to be pregnant, but I was also worried that I was pregnant. Right. Um, in terms of like, what would happen next? Would I be a single mom? And, you know, and it's interesting because my manager at the time was very understanding. And when I, when I shared with him that I um, had the miscarriage and he's like, well, maybe it just wasn't meant to be right. Maybe it's actually a blessing in disguise. And, you know, as I was talking to other people, it was the, you know, it was, it pretty much was that like, there are certain souls that are coming into this world and they choose not to come into this world for certain reasons. Right. And so that was part of the reason. And, you know, the body just couldn't support her and and it couldn't, the environment couldn't support her. And I think, you know, there are very different reasons for why things come into play and things don't. So it's, it's kind of a very complex um, look back in terms of like, why things happen the way they did.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like literally, you know, a really crappy thing to say when you're dealing with fertility issues that things happen for a reason, or, um, you know, the hindsight aspect of it. Um, But when you surrender, right? When you let go of being type A, controlling every aspect and you surrender, that is kind of when you're able to look back and 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 take responsibility, mm-hmm. right? And it's not blaming yourself for anything that happened, but just going, okay, I wasn't doing the best with my, my energy, my time, my health. I see that now. So now I have that knowledge. I can take that and start living the way I want to live. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's only... I feel like until you're just ready to accept that, right? Because yeah. it's a hard thing to accept. Yeah. And I mean, I get many comments of people like, how dare you say I caused my infertility? I'm like, look, I'm not saying that you purposely are doing it, but you are the one picking up the fork. You are the one putting yourself in those stressful situations. You are the one not getting the rest. You you, you are the vehicle, right? Um,
1: it's through their choices, basically.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I, I do think we all grew up in the society, um, where we were girls and we had a fight and we had to work harder and prove ourselves. And, um, you know, we're all career driven or maybe wanted children just later in life. And, um, you know, the whole myth of, 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 your egg quality, you know, starts going down because of your age is complete BS. It's because you've wrecked your body. (laughs) Like your cellular health is so bad. And when you're in that state of flight or flight, like you were saying for so long, your body's on survival mode. And the Mm -hmm. only thing it is now capable of doing is keeping you alive. Mm -hmm. So your fertility is going to be the first thing to go because nobody can handle growing a human being while they're running through running from the tiger and that's basically what we're doing in our day-to-day society when we're not taking care of ourselves yeah
1: no that that's so true and I think you know and I I think to what you were saying before it's it's a hard pill to swallow Mm -hmm. right because even when we look at it from a very human perspective right you take the personal growth aspect out of it, even when you look at it from a human perspective, it's like the women who tend to be the ones that fit the you know the the description that we're talking about. They're used to being great mm-hmm. at everything,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and women in and the beliefs you know that we we come right into this world that women are meant to be. Childbearers. That's our number one responsibility. And it's what our bodies were created for. I mean, that's why men can't, you know, have kids, right? They don't give birth. It's the women's job. And then, so from an aspect of having that as your identity, and that stripped away so quickly, month after month after month. Mm-hmm it is so emotionally draining. So when you have that on top of the stress of work, on top of the stress of like having to, you know, have sex at a certain time, like this whole process just goes, like it's just like the most horrible process ever.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think um, on top of that, society has deemed pregnancy as a sign of health which it's not, you know, the crackhead on the street, God bless her soul, has taught us that, that you don't have to be healthy to get pregnant. And um, our state of health is so low. Like the bar is low (laughs) in most countries. And so people are really shocked when they have fertility issues because they're like, well, I'm healthy. And I thought the same thing. But I can, I look back at my 27 to 30 year old self. I mean, even before that, and I'm like, geez, you were so unhealthy. You were, you were on survival mode for so long. And, um, it was, it's just the natural way for the body, the way it's built to say, nah, we can't do this. And if I am going to do this, um, it's highly likely that your child might have some issues Mm -hmm. which can a wide range of things right? right to like simple issues in the sense of like colicky and um uh like food sensitivities and things like that to you know autism or mm-hmm. severe adhd you know these things can be brought on by um a, a not a good environment to grow yeah, yeah. and we yeah. have to start taking the responsibility for that i think yeah
1: i i totally agree and you know and it's not just like uh, based off of observation because if you really think about it the chemicals in our body is what the babies are ingesting right mm-hmm. that's what they're sitting in for 10 months or even longer for the eggs you know yeah. in ovaries, ovaries etc so it is absolutely connected like it would be almost impossible to say that one has nothing to do with the other and i think to your point people don't want to hear that. They don't want to take that responsibility because they want to say it's due to a vaccine. It's due Mm -hmm. to a drug use. It's due to whatever the situation is. Well, it could be, absolutely. It could be, you know, further triggered by it or further on, you know, brought forward by it, but there is still a connection. and, And, you know, what I've seen, and I don't know if you've seen this, Monica, with your kids too, is that And I think, you know, to your point, sorry, I know I just jumped to a whole thought, but like to your point, like, I think people are so focused when they're dealing with infertility that they forget that there's a whole life that is created, right? There's a whole level of responsibility that is created once you do get pregnant. And once you are able to deliver the baby, you have the child. And what I've noticed going back to my original thought is that like for my first child, I was angry, I was stressed, I was angry. And I remember people telling me don't do that. You're going to like you're going to pass it down to your kids and you know like he's going to be, you know, angry and my first one is has like temper tantrums, like temper issues, like anger issues. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we so forget is that it's not just about getting pregnant, yeah, but it's about the overall well-being of ourselves so that we can be um, the best mom, right, for yeah. our babies by providing that safe and secure environment for them to um, grow or just
0: hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I, I, I'm really honest. I would have been a really shitty mom at 27. If I would have got pregnant when I wanted to, um, I would have been a bad mom and I'm highly confident we would be divorced by now. Because I just had so many, um, passed down traumas and like generational, the way, you you know, like the the way you grow up and I was completely unaware of it. I didn't think anything of it. And now that I had, (laughs) it was a mandatory nine year journey. And I think entrepreneurship on top of that has really made me dive deep, um, I'm very much so when I started my fertility coaching, it was about getting women pregnant. Now it's about um, helping women become conscious Mm. mothers um, and become healthy. So their children are healthy and conscious as much as possible. Obviously there's nothing written in stone. I can't, no one can predict anything. I know shit happens. There's genetics, it's all complicated, but um it's like getting in your car putting on your seatbelt, driving within the limits knowing your situation and doing the best you can um I forget who said it it was some kind of it, I, I heard it from Dr. Ben Lynch but he heard it from someone else and they said people invest more time in planning their wedding than they invest in having a child and That's crazy it is, if we really start thinking about it, you're literally talking about a day in your life to 80, 90 years of your child's life. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times people have these healthy healthy babies and then all of a sudden at 10, at 20, at 30, these health issues, like for me, I had an autoimmune disease at 17 years old and wow. I can tell you exactly how it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, like the history of my mom, of my dad, it was all like it was waiting to happen. Right. And women are, um, three times more likely to have autoimmune issues than men. Mm -hmm. Um, so it is, it's, it's much, much more than just seeing the two pink lines. And when you shift your focus on that, on those small goals, your health goals, your mental and emotional goals, your de-stressing, you know, you, you drawing the line in the sand, you know, no one's saying quit your corporate job, but have more of a balance, right? Um, Those things add up to a healthy pregnancy to a healthy Mm -hmm. delivery. Um, And yeah, I mean, I agree with you, all my friends who had children easily, and Mm -hmm. didn't do the hard work say the same thing as you there are parts of their children's childhood that they knew they weren't being the best mom that they could and because they weren't consciously aware that they were doing it right it was normal it was how they were raised or it was acceptable in the corporate field or you know whatever yeah. but um it is very important i agree with you
1: and it's so it's so interesting actually the one thing i wanted just kind of if you don't mind monica kind of like putting in two is that I do think there's an aspect, as we mentioned before, there's an aspect of the mom contributing to the welfare and the safety and the health of the baby. But there's also certain, I think there's also an aspect where when the soul decides to come into this earth, right? They choose what their life lessons will be. Yeah. So there's an aspect of, even if they have ADHD, it's not necessarily because of the mom per se, but it could have been their choice before they entered into this world. So yeah. I, I don't want it to say like, it's all about
0: the mom. No, yeah, but exactly. there is that
1: aspect that I also wanted to, they're like, you know, we bring that forward. It's like, it's yeah. not entirely like the mom's fault. But so that's that's the one thing. Um and then with regard and then now i just lost my thought because like-
0: <laughs> yeah no it's um yeah like i said there's nothing set in stone and i'm not like i have an aunt that literally drank uh, she drank coke through her whole entire pregnancy and my uh cousin is like a genius right she got a full ride to ucla like so i'm not saying like you have to be perfect and but when you're aware of these things and you if you are able to do the best that you can you are just helping your child set up for a healthier life and yes I think on that spirit spiritual side I when I started doing the spiritual stuff I always thought it was really interesting that you choose your parents like okay what life lessons and I've I've realized at the age of 40 that i I chose my parents because I was the one who had to end the generational trauma and especially on my mother's side and her mother and all my, all my grand ancestors, the women, um, of how repressed Mm -hmm. we were and how, you know, yeah. And it's, it was a, it's been a big lesson and a, a big, I was like, man, soul, (laughs) this better be your last soul contract because this one was tough. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I do believe, and that's what I feel so special about rainbow babies. Cause I, both of my boys are rainbow babies and, um, my last miscarriage. So my second and my last, um, it was like a big shock because we had the formula, right? Like we knew what we were doing. We had good embryos. We had the diet, the lifestyle, the immune-suppressing drugs. And I lost that pregnancy. But I look at my second son and I know that he was supposed to come. Mm-hmm. And I could only have him if I lost those other two, uh,
1: okay.
0: right? Because if those two would have stuck around, he wouldn't be here. Yeah. And I think of that a a lot. And obviously it's the same with the first miscarriage too. Um, but I feel it more so like my miscarriages and my IVF baby, they were already created, right. They already knew what they were doing, but my second son was a surprise natural pregnancy. And, um, I just look at him and I'm like, man you really wanted to come <laughs> you really wanted to be here Some with us
1: have very strong personalities even yeah. before they enter yeah definitely yeah. they have very strong will and I you know it's this is what I was thinking before was the, this whole aspect of conscious parenting it's so interesting because what you mentioned with your aunt who drank coke every day I mean think about Our grandparents who smoked every day. You know, you hear about those stories, right? (laughs) And it's like they didn't know any better. That's what they knew at the time. And that's Mm -hmm. what they were told was, you know, the good thing, like with all the marketers coming out saying it's safe. Yeah. That sounds familiar to anybody. I don't know. But, (laughs) 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 but, um, but yeah. So, you know, and then now with conscious parenting, you know, and I think for you too, right? I don't know if this has been your experience, but being a conscious person automatically translates into like, you can't not be a conscious parent. Like it just comes with the territory and you start, I mean, it just brings it like being a parent is hard enough. Being a mom is hard enough. Now you throw this whole aspect of being a
0: conscious mom. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. It is. And and that's why I encourage people to do the work before, Mm -hmm. because if you, um, I did a lot of work before, but I would say I've been doing a lot of work the last three years too. Um, and it was because I realized that my, my second son, who's a spit of me, um, his crying triggered my repressed traumatic experiences as a kid. And, uh, and I'm talking trauma, like, uh, like not sexual abuse or physical abuse or anything like that, but just my parents told me to suck it up, stop crying Wendy the Whiner's not invited. And I, I just didn't understand how, when he started crying, the rage went like, like zero to a hundred. And I started having to explore that. And it, yeah, it came to light that, um, it was the emotions that were brought on to me when I would cry as a little girl. Right. And so when you're trying to be conscious, parenting this crying child while you're in a rage because of your own suppressed emotions, it's hard. And, you know, it's not about perfection. Like that is not what we're going here for. It's just about being consciously aware that you do want to make changes that you don't want to put that, you know, the trauma that basically came from your great grandparents or your great, great grandparents, you don't want that anymore for your kids. And I think the whole universe is shifting anyways, Mm -hmm. and we're coming into a new era. And I just think we need to have um, men, you know, I have two boys, so I want strong confident men that aren't afraid to cry that aren't afraid to show their emotion, to show feeling because my husband doesn't he was very much raised that men don't show their feelings and he's an amazing dad and he's an amazing husband, but he definitely has this wall up. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't want my boys to be like that. And, and it's hard because when you were both taught, suck it up, <laughs> like it's hard not to say that. That to was how we kids. were
1: taught, but that's yeah. how we were taught. Right. Yeah. And I hear myself saying it to my kids too. Like, why are you crying? And then I'm like, oh wait, it's okay to cry. <laughs> yeah. hold on a second. And you're, your boys are lucky. I feel so bad for my first one. Um, I, like when we first had him, it was just pure human, like, and the trauma that he went through. And I look at him sometimes and I'm like, gosh, it would have been so different if like I was actually on my spiritual or conscious path before we had you, if I had done the work, I think I would have been so different. Like he would not be triggered by the same things he is now. But then the other thing that makes me feel a little better too is that these were his choices when he came in through too, right? There are certain lessons that he can't avoid either. Yeah. Um, but again, that's not a crutch nor an excuse, but I think there are certain things that were just meant to happen the way that it happened. And I'll trust that that's what was you know meant for him. Um, but now, that we have like this greater understanding or i have this greater understanding it's really really interesting because it's not just about you and your kid anymore it's about your husband you your husband and your child and your children and it's about you your husband your children and their friends and the school system and you know like it's a whole it's you see this very complex web that we bring them into, and these lessons that they bring to our attention, and you know, like we have to support them through it too, right? Both yeah. from our side and also from their side. Um, and I know this is a little kind of like far off from the from the fertility issues, but it, it is a very interesting aspect of um, raising a, ch- a child in today's society.
0: Yeah, I mean. I think my followers are just really highly educated and really interested in hearing this because they will become mothers. And um after the infertility journey, I mean, this is you know, long-term goals for finding fertility is fertility found. And what, how do you move through motherhood after infertility? And um, you know, using those tools that got you there and continuing on because, I thought I had it pretty nailed. I'm like, I I have 20 years experience in childhood education. I have my mindset. I have the diet. I've got a stable husband, stable job. That shit was hard. (laughs) It was hard. So um, I think the support and just having this knowledge and being real about it, because I think a lot of times people think infertility will save them from the pitfalls of parenthood in today's society and it just doesn't and um if when you're moving through you know your own issues and through infertility and if you can really just shift those things around it does make um it makes it easier you know um but it doesn't save you because yeah parenthood is really hard in this day and age and I don't really foresee it getting easier for a while, you know?
1: No, I think there's a lot of, like you said, there's so much transition happening. Um, I think it's going to be a brand new space for all of us. And in terms of like, you know, we see it today, right? With our youth, they're not necessarily our youth as in like six or 10 year olds, but our youth as in the millennial generation or the generation um, that comes in right now with I don't know what's young what's the youngest generation called anymore I've lost track yeah. but it's like generation after generation they bring a whole new perspective into this world and so our kids are next and yeah you know like what are we going to do with it we can either sit there and be grumpy and say like this isn't how we grew up or
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know we can kind of evolve along with um, society right or with kind of how the energy is shifting
0: yeah exactly and um the more you're prepared and willing and open and honest with yourself um i think yeah your journey is just going to be that that much easier for sure yeah. and
1: i love the fact that we're having this conversation monica because we don't get guidebooks or handbooks or graded or how to's on any of this right yeah. And so like the fact that you and I can sit there and have a conversation and other people can hear it through technology today, right? Cause we didn't, I didn't have this no. like 20 years ago or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, and learning and saying like, okay, I'm not the only one, right? Like yeah. I'm not the only one that feels like my body has failed me. I'm not the only one that feels like I failed myself, my family, my like and society as a whole. I'm not the only one that puts too much pressure on myself. I'm not the only one that's going through this. And I think that's the biggest part too, is that like people don't want to talk about it, right? Yeah. Because there's a level of shame to it, but there really shouldn't be. And I think part of the problem too, is that because corporate culture is so male dominated, especially in the in the corporate space that I'm in, who do you talk to? I'm not going to go to my male manager. And actually, you know, it's so funny because after my second... Um, miscarriage I did I do share because I'm like you know listen I went through a miscarriage and they're like and you know their response is perfect in the beginning oh if you need anything let us know but then they expect you to bounce back to normal hormone levels a week after and for Mm -hmm. you to go back to like normal behavior no like it doesn't work that way right and Mm -hmm. then I remember a month after that I actually had like an emotional flare-up because he like my manager at the time, he was pushing me and kind of like provoking me and like poking me with a stick. And I responded not in an an aggressive way, but in an emotional way. And the way he behaved was if I was like a, like a grizzly bear about to attack him. Right. And you know, like, these are the things that like, it just doesn't get talked about or understood enough when it comes to being an executive mom who's going through these issues and being emotional at work and having somebody understand that, you know, there's a reason behind it. And hormones just doesn't bounce back like this. Mm -hmm. Hormones take a while to rebalance, to reshift. Your body is still thinking it's pregnant or at least getting, you know, like kind of coming off of it. So um, if I had somebody to talk to at the time, who would have said, and I did luckily on the second time, but like if I had somebody to talk to at the time, who would have said, It's okay, Jean, your hormones are still behaving. And I remember when my friends did tell me that, I was like, no way, it's like a month or two after, like, are you kidding me? And they're like, no, girlfriend, it takes a while to like, get it back to normal. And you need to be nice to yourself, Yeah, like stop, right? And then, so then I understood like, okay, it's not me. I'm not broken. I'm not messed up. I'm not, you know, like I'm normal, like I'm normal, Yeah. Um, And that takes so much of the stress away from this whole process. Exactly. Um, So it's amazing that like, you know, you and I can talk about this. You and I have had kids, but yet we've also dealt with um, the fertility issues. And, and I'm so glad that like, if somebody's listening, you know, my only goal or hope is that like, they'll listen to this and be like, I'm normal. It's okay. Yeah, you know, and let, let me not think I'm broken because that's the hardest part. Like that was the hardest part about the first time um, we were dealing with um, infertility because it was like, I'm such a failure, I'm broken. Like I can't even, my body can't wow. even do what it's supposed to anymore. Like what's yeah. going
0: on. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think that's what the empowerment is all about is like once you realize that you have control over that and you can do things, then it, it, everything starts to shift for Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. and um it's really important especially in those like those corporate roles um to give yourself grace you know to have those sick days to just like almost wear a sign just say miscarriage awareness (laughs) like I might be a bitch (laughs) like and let me be that um because it's just it is not only a physically hard time, but a mentally hard time.
1: Yeah.
0: And I don't, I know that I never took the time to really grieve, especially my first miscarriage. It was um, a very much, I was still kind of operating by that get on with things type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but yeah, it's very, very important. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been such a lovely conversation. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Please tell the uh, listeners where they can find you.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. I um, have a website. It's uh, JeanTian.com. So if they need to reach me, there's a contact form there. Um, and they, I also have my own podcast, which you will be on soon. So I'm so excited to have Yay! you. And that's called Being Unapologetically Authentic with Jean Tian. And so Monica will be on to share her story and to talk about fertility as well when it comes to authenticity and success as well. Um, So happy to invite anybody, you know. Yeah,
0: no, it's going to be good. I'm super excited. Well, once again, thank you so much. Uh, The links to where they can find you are going to be down in the show notes. Awesome. And yeah, once again, thank you so much for coming on and connecting with us and sharing your story. Thank you.